we praise you in the good, knowing that you are faithful and you are good and you are near to us right now. We thank you, Father, that you are near to your people and you are working among us right now. In your name we pray, amen. You guys can have a seat. Great job, Abigail. Great job. So Abigail is not the only one that gets nervous in front of a microphone. Probably everybody in this room could say that is true of you at, at some point. So just it takes courage to come up here. But if you feel like the Lord's prompting you to share something, be bold like she was and, and come on up. And it will benefit all of us. Uh, we're going to do a couple of things tonight I just wanted to tell you about. In a moment, uh, Nate Rutman's going to come up. And if you don't know who Nate is, he's the guy in the yellow shirt that you're probably wondering Who's the guy in the yellow shirt or mustard shirt, we'll, we'll say. Um, so Nate actually has been at youth camp long before most of you have been at youth camp. He has been a team leader. He has preached at youth camp before. Um, but that before was a long time ago. And now his daughter, Sadie, is here with us as a camper. Uh, so Nate is back. So Nate's going to come up. He's going to give a review of, of the message this morning. Then I asked him to share his testimony. And then after that, I'll introduce Judah, and he's going to come up and preach. So can we welcome Nate back to youth camp? Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, so that's who I am. If you were over at, like, Noodle Saki and you're like, wait, who's this guy? I don't know who he is. Now you know who I am. Um, it's, it's really great to be here with you guys. Thank you so much for uh, letting me and, and three uh, crazy young ladies from Pittsburgh join you all uh, on this camp. Um, it was great uh, worshiping with you this morning. Here we are in session two. And so, uh, you know, before session two, if you're in session two, come session one, which was what we had this morning, right? Okay, so, um, good, you got my stash, thank you. <laughs> Okay, so um, Mr. Marshall, when he opened up, even before he got to the teaching they got to, he gave kind of like a key verse that was going over all of camp, and he asked you to be considering three questions. Do, do you remember any of that? Can anybody tell me the verse, where maybe it's from, part of it? Yeah, I saw your hand first. Okay, Galatians 2.20. Can anybody, does anybody happen to know Galatians? Can anybody read Galatians 2.20? Yeah, go ahead. Just somebody read it out nice and loud. Yes, thank you so much. Thanks for your boldness. Can I have one of those to chuck back? This is like the f most fun part of this job is I get to like throw things at you. I'm, I'm not athletic, so, you know, there you go. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so, and then the three questions that, that came from it uh, that you guys were being asked to be thinking about over the next few days. Can anybody give me one? What does it mean? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, what does it mean to be crucified with Christ? Give her some candy. Anybody remember any other ones? Yeah, ma'am. Yes, that was number two. Thank you. 
Anybody remember the third ones? I'll be honest, I only jotted down two, so uh, Dave, if you're here, you're going to have to verify the third one. Does anybody remember the third one? Yep, got that one. Okay. Was there a third one, or were there only two? Okay, perfect. Thank you. Okay, so that was even before the session. Now we're actually going to review the session. So who was the session about the biblical figure that we talked about? This is the easy one. Yeah. <laughs> you can give that one away, because you already got one. Um, yeah, and, and what... What in particular was uh, the Lord saying about when he chose David? There was a contrast. Man does this, but God does this other thing. Yeah, green shirt? Yes, thank you. And that's so encouraging for us, right? Because as we go through life, like you might have been down on the noodle sake field, and maybe you weren't one of those big, strong guys that seemed to like push everybody out of the way, Right? But that's not, how, that's not what matters to God anyway, right? It doesn't matter how popular we are. It doesn't matter uh, what our test scores are ultimately to God. I mean, those things have value. But what matters most to the Lord is what's going on on the inside. He looks on the heart. And so what is our heart toward him? So that kind of dovetails into uh, the story I want to tell you about my testimony. We heard the young lady up here, and she was exactly right. We are all on different paths. And so as you hear my story, what I don't want you to feel in any way is that that should be your story. You're living your story. But if you're, if you're here and you're younger in the faith, maybe you, you believe that you've um, come to know Jesus in a saving way, and you're kind of like figuring the first few years of that out. Or maybe you're here and you're like, I don't really know what I think about this Jesus guy. Can I just encourage you, ask as many people for their stories as possible. Because what you're going to do is you're going to build up a library of how God works today in people you know. And so here's just like a few paragraphs in that library. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you my story. Um, if you are 14 or younger, could you just raise your hand for me? 14 or younger. Yeah, nice. Okay, so I was 14 when this story happened. I was your age. I wasn't at youth camp. I wish I could have been. That would have been cool, but I wasn't. I was 14, and so uh, you guys know, like, you've just entered high school, maybe. You're in those first few years, and I don't know what high school's like for you. For, high school, for me, had a ton of change with it. Um, I, I wasn't one of these people who, like, had a gajillion friends all over the place. I had a few friends, and those few friends were really, really important to me. And what started happening in high school was those friends and those friendships started changing. And I found myself very alone at the time. Now, I had grown up in the church. Um, I had been surrounded by people who had uh, shared the gospel with me. Some of my grandparents in particular um, had been very faithful to tell me about Jesus. And yet, 14-year-old Nate um, didn't like Jesus very much. Um, I, I didn't like church. I remember thinking, I don't know if this has crossed any of your minds, but I remember thinking, Mom and Dad, I go to school five days a week. Why on Sunday morning do you take me to Sunday school, which is what the church I went to? It just didn't make any sense. Why, why invest this time? Why go? I didn't like 
Christians very much. I liked other friends who I thought were cooler and, and just more with it. And so all of this is going on in the life of 14-year-old Nate. Um, we went to a very small kind of backwoodsy church. Um, I never paid attention. The pastor always prayed before he preaches. Your, your pastors probably pray before they preach. The only prayer I really meant was, uh, Lord, would you help me fall asleep and wake up when it's all over? Like, that was my attitude. Um, and, and so I remember one of the last sermons that I heard while we were attending that church was a sermon where the pastor said, uh, was making a case from Scripture that if someone believes in Jesus, that there would be, a, there would be evidence of that in their life, that their life would, would change. Now, I had said a prayer when I was three years old or something like that, uh, supposedly, you know, accepting Jesus into my heart. And I was a pretty good kid from the outside in. No one knew, um, I don't think, just how much I, like, didn't like church and didn't really care about Jesus very much. Um, and I remember uh, hearing that sermon and thinking, oh, I, I don't know if I'm saved. And I remember leaving that church that I had been at a hundred times and, and praying, Lord, I don't know if I'm saved or not, but I want to follow you. Now, that was happening right alongside with all this loneliness I was feeling. I was probably, I was probably experiencing depression. You can be a 14-year-old and just be in a very lonely and empty kind of place. And I can remember being in my bedroom, and I'm, I'm an emotional guy, and so I was just feeling the emptiness and the loneliness in my life. And I made a second prayer. And I said, Lord, I don't even know if you exist. But if you do, I need you. And in that moment, you know, 9.30, 10 o'clock p.m. in my bedroom as I was alone, I experienced something that is unlike anything I had experienced at that point. And in that moment, I know if you've been around the church, you hear people talk about the presence of God, uh, presence with a C-E, not a T-S, uh, the presence of God, meaning like he's there. Well, in that bedroom, I was so aware of another presence that I was, I was actually afraid I was having a nervous breakdown. It was so thick, and all of this like darkness and loneliness and um, worry that I was experiencing was rolling off. It was, it was almost like if you've been out in the cold mist and the sun comes above the tree line and just all that stuff starts to evaporate. That, that's almost what was going on inside of me. And I realized from, from that point forward, um, when, I, when I read the Bible, when I prayed, when I hung out with those same Christians that I avoided for all of those years, I was experiencing this same kind of sense, the same kind of presence and so I came to conclude that, oh, this is what it means to know God. So I, I just say that because what I am so excited for you all to experience is not just the, maybe the intellectual idea of, okay, I'm going to choose to believe that certain things are true about Christ. We have to cross that bridge. We have to intellectually agree that certain things are true. But Jesus said in, in John 10.10 10, that he came so that his sheep, his followers, you all, would know life and have it abundantly. And what he holds out is an entirely different way of living. 
that is different than anything that we know until we've met him. And so I hope, I hope my story just kind of pins that in your mind. That's, that's the goal. The goal is to know Jesus in such a way that he makes, he redefines life. And it is so much more abundant with joy and peace in knowing him than it ever could be without him. So that's my story. Put it in your library. Ask other people how they came to know Jesus, and uh, it will greatly serve you. So thank you. So now you know who the guy in the yellow shirt is. And his encouragement, just put to practice this week. Ask the people around you, how did you meet Jesus? How did you come to a personal relationship with Jesus? It will really encourage you. How I got him to share today is we were just sitting around talking, and he told me that story, and I thought it would be great for you guys to hear how he met Jesus. Well, tonight, Judah Thomas is here somewhere. He's going to preach. And can we welcome Judah? Most of you know him. He is a local pastor. He's a friend of me personally. He's a friend of our church. Uh, you, if you've been around for a while, you see him at different things. And we attend a, a local pastor's thing. He's actually a leader among the leaders there as well, um, just because he, he loves the Lord. He loves pastors. And uh, I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I don't need that. And uh, I don't just love pastors. I love you guys, too. Um, I'm so excited to be here with you guys. Um, it's, it's been just a, a privilege of mine to, to be called back, and it's an honor for me to be able to share with you guys just some things that the Lord's been laying on my heart. Now, <clears throat> let's just go over this one more time. What's the theme verse for camp? No, I don't have candy. They didn't give me... Oh, the, the stash is right here. All right. Um, Galatians 2.20. It is no longer I. So that, just, let's stop there. It's no longer I. Because that's often the problem with a lot of how life goes. We often start with, well, I think, well, I, well, I according to me, and I feel, and I, there, everything starts with I. So right out of the gate, we got to establish that when you belong to Jesus, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So we talked about David this morning, right? And what was one key thing that you got from David's life? Anybody? Or what is it one thing that you understood about it is no longer I? I want, to get, I want to get down to that. Or just in your personal life, in your personal study, is there something that you learned about it's no longer I? Like when you're feeling broken, mm-hmm. and like it's like an empty world, like what Matt said, it's not just you, it's also Jesus there. Bingo. Yeah. So you start to discover that whatever you're going through in life, it's not just me going through it. I have Jesus who is with me and in me. To go through it with me, right? So we're gonna we're gonna unpack a little bit about that tonight. So I'm gonna be talking about a guy, or rather, at least to start to base this conversation of a guy called Jeremiah. Does anyone know who Jeremiah was? Yeah, one of the big the big dudes. Yeah, a major. He was a major prophet. 
Yeah, and you know what the problem with with his life? If there was a like you know like a like a ringtone that goes or a text chime that goes with somebody's text, you know like do you have like one of those things where when somebody texts it has a particular ringtone? Yeah. His would be da da da. His name and whenever Jeremiah was around, he was called a weeping prophet. And the his job was to l- literally tell God's people, you guys are pretty much messed up and God's going to kick you out of your country and you're going to be taken into exile. And that was kind of his gig. So when you read these verses, I'm going to read a few verses from Jeremiah chapter one, verses four through nine. It says, now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you to a to be a prophet to the nations. And then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. Then the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth, for to all whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Now, wouldn't it be nice if God just simply gave him words like, go tell people I really love them and they're going to be okay. Unfortunately, God sent him with words like, this is not the kind of thing God likes. God hates this kind of stuff, and this is going to happen if you don't turn to God. Uh, All right, easy there with the hot sauce, buddy. (laughs) Chill out. And that was everybody's kind of approach to him. They even wanted to kick him down a well. But this kind of guy, right out of the gate, God pulls him out and says, don't be someone who gets caught up in how young you are or what you look like because I am, what does verse 8 say? Do not be afraid of them for I am with you to deliver you. So today we're going to talk about confidence in your inexperience because sometimes you might, do you feel like saying, well, just put your age in there. Put your name in there. I'm just me. I, 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 I can do that. I, you know, I'm not someone who comes from this kind of a background. I don't, I've never been to seminary. I, I, I don't know how to do this Bible stuff. You know Jesus, right? If you know Jesus, guess what? Verse 8, let's read it again. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you. And we often forget that part, right? You just said that. Whatever you're going through in life, the fact that you have Jesus with you almost seems like, uh, oh, yeah, I forgot that. Yeah, there's that. But I'm just me. The I'm just me part often is the thing that's the loudest thing in your head Whenever it comes to the things of God or whenever it comes to the things that God is asking you to take a stand on, the things that he's asking you to stay away from, you feel pulled into something, whichever way it is, because you feel like, well, I'm just me. 
What else can I do? So before I talk about confidence, confidence in your inexperience, let me dispel that myth right away. You cannot have confidence in your inexperience. You just cannot. Because confidence is based on a firm trust. Confidence comes from, can I have that slide up? Confidence comes from, it has a couple of words that it comes from. So I'm just going to, for all the geeks out there, I'm going to give you a couple of things. It comes from the Latin root confidere, okay, which is to mean a full trust. Do you have a full trust in something? If, you know, right next to that water cooler in the back, if someone can give me that uh, cardboard box underneath there, I just want to do something here. Because full trust is something that is hard to describe to you. It's easier for you to know it, right? When you have full trust in something, you can have confidence in it, right? When you say the word confidence... It usually means you have full trust. So, Brennan, can you help me? Uh, Can you stand successfully on that chair? All right. Now, before you do it, can you successfully stand on that box? Can you? No. (laughs) Why... Why not? Why wouldn't you just go for it? Because experience tells me that I can't break my leg. Have you tried specifically standing on cardboard boxes? (laughs) Not that one in particular. Not that one in particular. But you generally know what cardboard is made of. Now, why did you just straight away, the moment I said stand on the chair, you didn't even ask me a question about it. You didn't have any qualifying you didn't have any conversation about it. Why? Well, Mr. Ryer was sitting on it at the time. So. Right. If it holds him, it might. <laughs> All right. Okay, thank you. So, I mean, and it also said save on the, this box. So I, I was like, I don't want to try anything too funny with this. But there's a reason why we don't have confidence to step on a cardboard box as something that would take our weight. Because you know you have a full trust in a chair to hold your weight. But there's something about history, there's something about the story of your life that has told you that's not a good idea. So confidence is immediately undermined. So now do you understand why you cannot have confidence in your inexperience? Because inexperience immediately is like, dude, that's cardboard box right there. I mean, the moment you bring the cardboard box out, you're like, no, no. And that's when you revert to, well, I'm just me. This is what I always do. This is what I'm always, this is what I always struggle with. I'm always going to fail at this. I'm never good at that. I never do that sort of thing. I'm not that sort of person. Now... For us to have confidence, we have to establish what sort of person. So what sort of person are you? Can I have that slide up? What sort of person are you? 
There are two, pe- there are two kinds of people typically in this world. There is the wise one, where knowing as much as possible first will result in success. So when you think about things in life, you're like, I want to know everything I can know about it before I start this, and that will give me success. Then we also have on the other end, the brave ones. The brave ones say, I'm going to jump right in, get stuck into this thing, get my hands dirty, and experience will tell me how this works. And when I get my hands dirty, guess what? I will succeed in the end. So if I were to say, just by show of hands, which, one, which camp would you fall in typically? How many, how many wise guys out there? How many people want all the info first? I'm more that sort of a guy, okay? I'm more of a, mm, tell me what this is about. Give me the details. What, what, what exactly do you mean? And I feel like knowledge will help me make better decisions as I go further into whatever this is. So I tend to have a confidence in knowing things. Now, on the other hand, we have the people who just go for it. I don't care. I'm just jumping in. You know, they're the kind of people when you go to a lake, they just jump straight in. What kind of water? What's in there? Nah, just jump in. And we'll figure out the rest, whether there are rocks. Do you understand those kind of people? How many of those people in here? Okay. So some some of them are the same person. That's, That's funny. But yeah, that's good. Because we're not always just one kind. In certain areas of our lives, we're far more risky or we're far more willing to take on the experience. But regardless, we are trusting something that will give us confidence, that will give us a full trust in our ability to push through. Now, you guys are at an age where you're still trying to figure out what do I have confidence in to gun it, to go for it. Is this something I can go for? You try this with things in career. You try this in relationships. You try this with the little things that you have with money, with the things you have. And you feel like, is this something that I can just go for? Or is this something I need to wait and kind of find out as much as I can before I go into it? Now, both of these things are good are good things. They are not bad things. But the problem is, this is what life will generally throw at you. The root of confidence is always trust. So the question is, where is your trust? With both of those things, whether you're the wise one or the brave one, there's trust being placed somewhere. Trust is being placed on information or knowledge, or trust is being placed In strength, tenacity, endurance, we feel like those are the things that will get us through. Now, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. This is Solomon. He's lived his life. And then he says this. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Everything is all about puffing ourselves up. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes, a generation comes, but the earth remains. Now in verse 8 he says, All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. 
what has been is what will be. And what has been done will be done again. And there is nothing new under the sun. Human existence is futility because we end up chasing our own tails into the things that we think, oh, I will get, I will get some meaning out of this. I will be able to get ahead in life with this. But all it ends up doing is puffing ourselves up into being the man or being the woman. There is so much about what you are going through right now in this phase of your lives where you're having to put on a front for somebody else to look at you and think, oh, this person's got it. And then the opposite end of that is the feeling of, I don't got it. I don't feel like I have it in that group or in these, these people. I don't feel like I'm smart enough to fit in there. I don't think I'm pretty enough to fit in here. I don't feel like I'm athletic enough to fit in there. Whatever it is, there are always things that you feel like you're not enough of to get involved in. Now, Romans 7 says, For I know that there is nothing good within me that is in my own flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil that I don't want to do is what I keep doing. Have you ever faced something in your life that you struggle with? And you feel like, I really want to get past this, but I don't feel like I have it. Jeremiah, later on in, his, in this book, while he's prophesying, he talks about the heart of man. And he says, the heart is deceitful above all things and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Who can understand the heart? So if I were to say to follow your heart, whether you're a wise one or a brave one, to follow your heart is not a good plan. Isn't that one of the first things you hear out there in the world? Follow your heart. What, what, what feels right to you? Do what feels right. Follow your gut. Guess what? Your gut will take you all the way to the port of John out there. Right? That's, you, nothing good comes from within us. And that is something we have to establish right now. The problem is we think that we got some good. I'm really good at this. And you might be good at a certain skill. But you have to come back to Galatians 2.20. What is Galatians 2.20? By the end of this teaching, I think you'll all know this verse. It is no longer. Right? And the life that I now live in this body. You live for what? I live. By faith in the Son of God and the one who gave his life for me. So the, the, the things that Jesus did for me is what my life springs from. It's not what I can do. It's not what I did. It's not what I'm good at. Neither is it about what I'm bad at. Isn't that the great news? Because sometimes we often think it's about the things we're good at. But what about the things we're bad at? That's also why you were crucified with Christ. 
right? So you don't have to carry the shame of something. Neither do you have to try and maintain a peak performance on anything that you think you're good at. Everything that you have comes from confidence in what Jesus has done. Now, we sang these songs, and I love the songs that we sang during worship today. Because you have to establish this in your heart right at the outset. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without shaking. This wavering aspect is the decision making between do I step on this chair or is this a cardboard box? Is the hope I have in Jesus like a cardboard box? Is it something that's a little bit shaky, a little bit iffy, or is it something that's firm? For what is, what is the thing that we're establishing here? For he who? He who promised is what? Faithful. Now I'm going to distill a whole bunch of Hebrew Greek study into like two minutes here. The word faith that we use in Galatians, can you put Galatians 2.20 up? This word here, you do it by what? By faith. Now that word there is a Greek word which is used for the same word confidence or a strong trust. We use the word believe. Now, if you were to do a word study across going right back into Old Testament scripture, you'll find that word is more of a New Testament concept where they try to use the word faith as an active action word. But it is an action word based on an Old Testament word, which is the word faith full. So what is faith? Faith acts on the knowledge of something's faithfulness. Is this going to be faithful if I put my weight on it? Will this be faithful if I put my weight on it? Now faith can act. Do you understand? So faith can act on the faithfulness of this chair. Because I know chairs like this have a track record of holding weight. Does a cardboard box have faithfulness to carry my weight? Okay. So now when you see the word faith anytime, it is always connected to somewhere somebody being faithful. It is never you saying, I just got to believe it. I, I, I got to do it. Push too hard, something else might happen. But if you, if you just grin, grit, that's not faith. The problem is sometimes when you're struggling with a crisis, when you're struggling with something that's too hard for you, there's a part of religion that tells you, you just got to believe harder. Right? Wrong. Because what you got to go back to is he who promised me is faithful. So if he said something, he will do it. And guess what he did? This is how God showed us that he loves us. While we were yet sinners, what did Jesus do? 
He died for people like you and me. He didn't just talk. He didn't give us just hot, like, just, oh, yeah, I love you guys. I'll be there for you. Got your back, buddy. He didn't just say that. He came and did it. He did it. He came, took your place, took my place, so that we don't ever have to be without help. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, For without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For whoever draws near to God must believe that He exists, and not, it's not just the word exists like, oh, there He is, but exists as the one He says He is. So if He says, I am your safety. I don't feel safe right now. He says, I will be safety to you. So I believe you are who you say you are. That word believe is the word faith. Faith trusts God. Faith leans on God's faithfulness to do what he said he would do. So whatever it is you're going on and whatever is going on in your life, you're trusting faithfulness. So how many people know what this little thing is? I just took it off my finger. Just for anyone who couldn't see it. It's a ring. So what's a ring for? Correct. So it's like an oath. Okay? It's like a bond. The Bible word is covenant. So we make... I made a covenant with my wife that she's the only girl for me. There is nobody else, just her and me. Does this make me do that stuff? It, 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 is, it is a reminder for me that I made a promise. So guess what our reminder is? Jesus on the cross that God said I mean what I say when I promised you I won't leave you and what does Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 8 say don't say I'm just a youth because I will be with you to deliver you so when you're inexperienced when you think oh, I'm just so young or I'm not good at that and I how do you get confidence you got to return to a place of I will rest in your promises. My confidence is your faithfulness. I will rest in your promises. My confidence, where does it come from? From your faithfulness. Faithful, you are faithful. Forever you will be faithful, you are, and all your promises are yes and amen, because you are who you say you are, you do what you say you'll do, you'll be who you've always been to us, Jesus. 
Do you, are you starting to see what you were worshiping with was you practicing placing confidence? Not in your own experience, but in the one who is faithful. When I practice confidence, faith rises up. When I practice putting my trust, heavily weighing myself on something that is dependable, I stop trying to weigh myself on something that is flimsy. Because all these things will fade. If me sounding smart was what I could place my confidence in as a speaker to you guys, I would try way too many things to try and make it sound cool or sound really good. And it might work for a little while until it doesn't. Then what happens? Everybody has a plan until something goes wrong. And guess what? You've not lived long enough yet. If you've not already experienced, life is going to go wrong. But what happens when something goes sideways? What happens when someone says, don't you have anything better to do? Why didn't, couldn't you get over that? Why can't you do this yet? To say, I know the one who is with me is faithful. So I stop leaning on me trying to explain this or explain my way or improve my way out of this to saying, Lord, I need help. So in closing, I wanted to give you three things. How can you have confidence in my experience? Inexperience? You don't. That's point number one. Okay, actually, point number one is different. I don't rely on my strengths. It's one thing to rely... It's one thing to be aware of your weaknesses. How many of you are aware of your weaknesses? Right? If I gave you a chance to write some stuff down, that list would be really long. But if I told you to write down the things that you're really great at, you'd struggle. Why? Because there is no more... Like, guess who's the most critical person of you? You. We are often so hard on ourselves because we always want to be someone else. We always want to be somewhere else. And what God is trying to teach you in this season of life is stay right where you're at. Don't try and be anyone else. Don't rely on what you're strong at. I'm smart. I'm fast, I'm cute, I'm whatever. Don't rely on those things. Those things will shift. Those things will change. Right now, you're a big fish in a small pond. Guess what? You go to a bigger pond, you're suddenly the smallest fish. What happens then? Your confidence cannot be on something as flimsy as a cardboard box. Secondly, I know whose I am. So I can grow into who I am. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone. So remember that in Galatians 2.20, what we talked about, it is no longer I. Because that person has been crucified with Christ. So if you've been crucified with Christ, it is no longer I who live, but you are a new creation. The old is gone. So that old you, that thing that tries to define who you are, doesn't get to. Neither does your strength. 
and neither does your weakness, right? None of those things get to define me. Who gets to define me? Christ. Christ and Him crucified. So when Jesus died for me, He took my place, so I know I belong to Him. When I know I belong to Him, I can grow into, what is point number two? I know whose I am, so I can grow into who I am. So then I know He has called me His child. I know He will never leave me nor forsake me. That's not just a phrase. It's a bond. He's made a bond with me that He will never leave me. So when I'm going through something in my life, I know He's right there with me. And my last point is this. I deliberately depend on God's faithfulness to save, teach, and guide me. And the word deliberately is deliberately there. Because guess what? Sometimes as Christians, we think this just happens. Uh, I'm a Christian. It'll happen. It doesn't happen unless you practice doing that. You can say, oh, well, Jesus is going to save me and Jesus is going to teach me, but I never pay attention. I don't care. But. Until I have a problem. Then I want Jesus to show up. But I never do the, the practice of doing this. This is faith being exercised. If I don't exercise faith. God's faithfulness sits there. Not depended on. There are many people who get into relationships. Sometimes even adults get into marriages. And they say you're my person. Except I have no need for you. I'm good all by myself. I can make life work on my terms. Galatians 2.20, it is no longer. There we go. So I deliberately depend on God's faithfulness to save me. Yes, you saved me from my sin. You saved me from my past life. But that's not where it stops. It carries on into. Teach me how to live today. And after you've taught me how to live today, you can guide me into tomorrow. I don't want to just guess about tomorrow. I want to know that if I have your hand and you have mine, I'm going to make good decisions. And I'm not hoping I make good decisions. I know I will make good decisions. Why? Because I know who is with me, which is point number two. I know whose I am, and I know that I will grow into who I am. I don't have to be everything today. I don't have to be the best person who shares the gospel and has such an amazing testimony. I don't have to be that guy. I don't have to be that girl. I just have to be someone who practices faithfulness with God as I lean on His faithfulness. Then I show somebody else the faithfulness of God. Do you see that? Then you become a signpost. This is God's promise to you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. When you become that to somebody else in their lives, someone who's young, who just met Jesus, they don't know what Jesus is like. When you shared earlier, you know, to be around people where you feel like you're home. That's amazing. 
where we get to be a signpost of God's faithfulness to somebody else. And then guess what? Faith is being exercised that whole time. And it's not, it's not hokey-cokey. It's no one, no, nobody from the platform saying, come on, believe it. I'm practicing it because I do it all, all by myself. And I deliberately do it by myself. So that when I'm with other Christians, it's not this, I guess we all believe in Jesus. Let's all put the happy face on. I might be having the crappiest day. I might be really sad, but I know who's got me. When I know who's got me, confidence is not based on my circumstance. So can we close with this? I don't rely on my strength. I know whose I am so I can grow into who I am. And I deliberately depend on God's faithfulness to save, teach, and guide me. I hope that was helpful. All right. Love you guys.